As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. The Athletic Football Show. Today's Monday, April 25th. I'm Robert Mays. Fun show for you guys today. It's draft week. And we are going to kick off draft week with a little table setter. We're going to ask 20 big questions as we start draft week. And we wanted to give you guys a little preview of what our live draft show on Thursday and Friday night is going to look like. And to do that, I have two guys I'm very excited to talk with. First of all, Dane Brugler, a man that desperately needs some sleep right now, I'm sure. How you doing over there, buddy? I'm good. I, I, I'm so excited. It's draft week. We're, we're almost there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the five-yard line. We're, we're close. We're going to punch it in. Uh, oh, I, I just imagine you, when this is over, just getting put into cryo sleep and then just like put, getting to shelve yourself for like the next six months, except you have like seven kids. So well, you have absolutely no downtime whatsoever. I can't wait to just mow my lawn. And like, <laughs> that, that just sounds amazing. Like, I, I mean, there, there's a there's a cup holder, you know, just get, have a beer, mow my lawn. I'll be happy. Uh, that sounds go. fantastic. Also joining us today, my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Yeah. I How's know, this full-time job treating you? you happy it's great. It? So far, so good. Yeah, I got to dra- got to write up a mock draft. That was great. I can only imagine. I did two rounds. Dane does seven. So, uh, and Dane, Dane's become like, you know, oh, man, I, I'm blanking on the band right now. But it's it, it, like Dane's like his big thing. You do the beast, Dane, which is tremendous work that you do. And it's like, that's all I want to call you. It's just like your your work has become your my nickname for you in my head. It's like, he's, Dane he's the is the beast. He's the beast. He, he is yeah. the draft beast. I think that's totally fair. He's the beast. All right. So here's what we're going to do today. I, I wanted to just zoom out a little bit. And ask the biggest questions we have heading into this draft. We've had a lot of this stuff in some way, shape, or form over the last month or so. But I think as we get closer, it's important to reset a little bit. And I'm going to let you guys go. You guys are the experts here. I'm going to tee you up and get your insights on some of this stuff. Let's start, Dane, with where this draft conversation has really started over the last couple months. How does a shockingly unpredictable, based on years past and some other expectations we've had coming into other drafts, a shockingly unpredictable top 10 ultimately shake out. I think that is the defining question here as we get started. And I wanted to ask you, 
What do you think the pivot point is? In the top 10, what do you think the moment that everything could change and the pick you're really waiting to see crystallize to understand how the rest of it is going to go? Yeah, and I think in most years we have those tent poles, which is where the quarterbacks are going to go in the yeah. top 10. You know, last year we knew quarterbacks were going one, two, three. So, you know, we had those yeah. tent poles uh, where, uh, you know, the, two years ago you know, we knew Joe Burrow was going one. We thought quarterback probably at five and six with Miami and, and the Chargers. Uh, this year, uh, there's a there's a good chance we don't see a quarterback top ten, and so that just makes it all that more unpredictable. I mean, you know, we could start really the number one pick. Uh, I mean, yeah. Aiden Hutchinson <laughs> is still the favorite, yeah. but he's by no means a lock to be number one. I mean, I, I it would not be a shock at all if Trevon Walker is the number one pick. I think that when you uh, my line with Trevon Walker has been the same, you know, since the fall is I would not be shocked at all if he's the best defense player from this class. It's a it's a realistic outcome for him so betting on the traits i can see why he'd be the number one pick but the the team that i keep coming back to is carolina at six uh because that is i think realistically the first spot where we could see a quarterback off the board uh the the panthers are you know they're just a little unpredictable so it's not even like i think common sense applies here uh because they they could go in so many directions and then i think an underrated pivot point is the Jets, uh, you know, just having those two picks in the top 10, Joe Douglas, uh, you know, at number four, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're forecasting probably a pass rusher at that point, but who they take at number four is going to have a ripple effect. I think, uh, not just on the rest of the top 10, but who they take at 10. So, you know, for example, if they take a pass rusher in the top, uh, top 10, uh, I think that ideally they want a pass rusher. So if they take a pass rusher at four, or if they don't take one at four, does that mean they have to? Are they putting themselves into a corner where they have to take one of 10? That kind of changes their strategy a little bit. So uh, I think that number four pick, it's coming down to Iki Aquanu and, and Kayvon Thibodeau. I really think it's coming down to those two players. And I don't think we talk enough about Mekhi Becton and how much... I mean, there, there are people in the league that don't think he plays another down for the Jets. Uh, they, they think that it's you know injury factor... The, the relationship with the coaches is just that fractured. Um, and so a guy like Iki Aquanu is Makai Becton insurance um, if he's there at number or four. Or straight replacement beyond it, insurance it, if, if he gets to that point. Yeah. Absolutely. So, if, But if they go Iki at four, does that mean they have to go pass rusher at 10? Because that's the position I think they really want. Or is the right receiver is there? So I think you know the having two picks in the top 10 like that, who they go at four will have a ripple effect on the rest of the top 10 and then ultimately who they take at 10. Yeah. Speaking of those pivot points, Nate, and just those potential timelines, which timeline is most fun to you? Like if you're just going down the outside of the, Hutchinson at one, lay out like the next five picks for me and like what you think is most fun. Well, I, I mean, Walker going one would start a whole fun okay. dom- right. domino, dominoes effect because I, I just real quick, I, because I've like now have understood the argument with Walker and everything. This is a draft full of doubles and Walker is a home run swing. That's what, that's kind of what you're looking at. It's a draft full of doubles, singles and doubles, you know, from five to 50. And that's what the argument for Walker is. So, but I would say as soon as somebody moves up into that top five or top six, the saints, you know, something like that, something when it happens, that would be the most entertaining part of the draft because of the ripple effect that would happen thereafter. I would say, shoot, if Iki Aquana goes four, and that actually, that argument makes sense. Not even just with Becton. Say Be- everything works out and it's all sunshine and rainbows with the Jets and Becton. And he's at the left side. What's great about Kwanu, 
he might become an all pro guard. He might become a great right tackle. Like they have, that's like a nice argument to have. That's kind of like, Hey, no matter what, we're going to find a good spot for him. But if he goes four, do then other teams get antsy for the tackles now? Do they, you know, if the edge rushers are gone, who starts moving up to get edge rushers? Like that's, that's what most entertaining thing would be. So if we, if we go Walker, Thibodeau goes two, sauce Gardner goes three to the Texans. Oh my God. Like what, what happens at four five, six? What, what movement happens there? If somebody gets antsy and reaches up for a receiver, because right now it's eye of the beholder. Someone hears, Oh man, they might take him at 10. They might take him in the teens. Oh man, we got to jump him to seven for the giant second pick, you know, something like that. That's would be an entertaining timeline. I think that first trade will pop it and everything else that comes after will be really fun. Cause what runs happen at corner tackle and receiver is gonna be super interesting to watch unfold. Let's say one of those tackles is there. The, the tackle that the saints potentially love is there at seven when the giants are picking again. And we just see that trade pop up. Like the new Orleans saints are now on the clock. And if the tackles don't go early and there's two or three of them left and they love one yep. of them, is that what ends up happening? It's just, I can't remember a draft like this. Yeah, I think where... six, pick six and seven. I think, yeah, those two yeah. spots are prime uh, 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 opportunity for a team looking at good. And the Saints, yeah, I mean, that's, I would not be surprised at all if that's the team. I mean, that's, the, we've seen them do it before, right? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I, I remember the the Lamar Jackson draft, uh, was it 2018? Uh, 2000, yeah, 2018. Um, mm-hmm. That was the year they traded up for Marcus Davenport. And I remember as that was unfolding, yeah. doing, I can't remember where I was doing it, but doing live coverage of the draft. And all of a sudden we see the Saints, uh, you know, uh, the logo at the bottom. Oh, they just made a trade. Oh, this is for Lamar. It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, who else Who else are you making that big move up for? And then they take Marcus Davenport. I mean, this is a team that's not afraid to go get their guy. And I, I, I think that's that makes the most sense as the Saints uh, using those two picks, going up to get my, in my opinion, I think it's Charles Cross. I think that's the guy they want. Um and yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. All right, let's talk about that sixth overall pick. My next question here, Dane. What do you think the conversation has looked like for the past couple of weeks in Carolina? Like, what do you think the factions in the building look like on the quarterback side and the no quarterback side? And what is the dialogue between them? It's it's really hard to understand because we have a coach that's uh, beyond on the hot seat. I mean, I, I, I think there are reasons beyond football why they just decided to keep him for another year. Um, and uh, talking about Coach Rule, and it's, you know, whether or not that's, the, you know, the, the right move long-term, uh, but how does that affect who they draft? Uh, how, how involved is ownership? Uh, I think we all know it's probably pretty involved with who <laughs> yeah. this pick is going to be. So how does that affect things? Um, I, I think that, you know, with from Coach Rule's perspective, how are you approaching this draft when, you know, you're not you, – you, you could draft a quarterback that's going to help you win games. Is he a clear upgrade over what you have on the roster? I, I don't know that you're necessarily saying that as, you know, for this year, for 2022. Um, and, and But in, as ownership, are you – any and these quarterbacks, uh, you know, really do it for you. So I, I, I think that when it's all said and done, I, I will be surprised if they draft a quarterback at this point. That's how I feel right now. I mean, that could change tomorrow. Uh, but uh, based off of what we've heard – um and, and here's the thing too like i don't the panthers are going to tell me what they're going to do obviously but when you talk to your sources with other, other teams they sure have opinions on what they think the panthers are going to do and what some of these other teams are going to do um and, and that helps form an opinion of you know if if a team thinks that the you know panthers of multiple teams think the panthers aren't drafting a quarterback 
Well, I mean, I, I, I think I can, you know, take that and use that as uh, as reasoning why I, I don't think one will happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it's hard to have a good feel for the Panthers because, like I said, it's not even like you can use just pure common sense here with, with <laughs> yeah. this team. So I've, Lance made a point last week when he was talking to you that he thought a veteran was the right way for rules to potentially buy more time because they were in win-now mode. I can understand that argument. I can also understand thinking drafting a rookie restarts your clock a little bit. It gives you a little bit more leeway, even though we haven't seen that very often. I was going to say, does it though? Yeah. It doesn't all, it doesn't yeah. all the time. Last year, we had two guys, two quarterbacks drafted in the first round. The coaches were fired. And that happens more often than you think. So I can understand both arguments. The reason that this is difficult, in my opinion, figuring out what they're going to do, figure out what they want to do, Nate, is because I have no idea what they want to be. What, yeah. what do you think the Panthers' vision of a successful season looks like in oh 2022? God. What That's is that? I don't know. Like being a wild card team, I guess. Like it's, that. I have. They have no picks. Yeah. They, I like, know. It's just so so difficult to pin them down, and yeah. I think that's why this is such a murky, muddy conversation. Yeah. Every day, I've kind of changed how I think about. I think they do too. To be honest, is whether oh they go tackle because that's the safest. They want to win now, and they don't want to, you know, ride it out with a rookie quarterback. Because the argument is. Say they went Malik Willis. Malik Willis is a project at six. So it's like, unless they got Tepper, the owner, going, hey, you got two years to develop them. Yeah, that's 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 easy to say right now, April in 2022. Now when we're talking January in 2023 and you guys go, you know, three and 14, like you're going to be a little, oh man, that's going to be a little hard to like argue for another year or two with him. Is Tepper push you to take picket because of the pit connection? <laughs> like you don't know like what these meetings go that they go, no, we want to take a tackle because we think that's the safest thing. And you don't know if the owner is going, well, you better take your guy of the future because we're going to keep restocking that position because that's what it seems every couple of weeks they're changing what they want to do. I mean, it's even easier to peddle hope if yeah. you if you pick a quarterback. It's yes. much easier to peddle upside and hope if you pick a guy. If I were trying to save my job, I think the best solution and the best possible outcome is drafting a tackle at six and yeah. trading for one of the veterans. Yes, And they have $30 million in cap space. They're one of the only teams in the league set up to absorb the Garoppolo contract or the Baker contract, whichever one they end up choosing. The Garoppolo timeline is obviously a little bit more uncertain because of the shoulder. But I, I just think that would be my breaking case of emergency timeline if I were Carolina. Pick a safe player as a tackle at six and go get a veteran and see if I can win nine games and try to convince ownership that I deserve one more year to see this thing through. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I mean, so, okay, if they make one of those trades for one of those veterans, we're talking about what's probably a second round pick. You think that's maybe what they have to, and oh, it's gotta series. be a second round pick next year. Next so, series. you know, uh, and obviously I don't think, you know, uh, rule cares all that much. Cause he might not be the guy next year making that second round pick. Uh, so I think he's, he'll be okay with giving up that pick, but yeah, you hate dipping into next year already. Uh, yeah. when you don't have a, a, a second or third round pick this year. So it's, it's a tough situation. I wonder how desperate Cleveland is. And not desperate might be the wrong word. I wonder how incentivized Cleveland is to just say, we'll take whatever. Because yeah. with San Francisco, if it comes down to it, they can just cut him. Yeah. They can just release him. And it doesn't matter in terms of the cap ramifications. The Browns just need to get Baker off the roster. They yeah. need a team that's willing to take him. I wonder if... And I understand that they're definitely incentivized to wait. You know, think about all the different times we've seen. You know, the best example to me is the Sam Bradford trade with the Philadelphia and Minnesota, 
where we looked at the Eagles in 2017, like they have 17 quarterbacks. Like, well, how does this make any sense? And then they get to trade Bradford for a first round pick on the eve of camp because there's an injury and patience was a virtue there. Does Cleveland kind of take a similar route with like, we're not going to give him away. We're going to wait and see how this all unfolds. Or if Carolina says, we'll give you a fourth right now, the Browns say, you know what? We want to wash our hands with this and we're done. I don't know. I can understand it both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it came out this week that, uh, you know, they, they might hold on to him because Deshaun Watson is going to have a you know six game suspension, whatever. Yep. There's no way you can't do that. You can't bring him. <laughs> Can you back. Imagine a locker room. With that? Oh my that, god! That that the is, quarterback meeting room will be a mess. If they were to do that, <laughs> if they were to do that, that is the most unflinching. I do not oh. care about awkwardness move no. that I've ever seen in my entire life. The yeah. secondhand embarrassment I'm already feeling yeah. for what it's going to be like in that room. Instantly, yeah, I would accept that trade. Instantly. It. Right. every element of human element like every part of yeah. the human element entirely it's like ah no we'll just you know he's suspended for six games we'll put our 80 overall quarterback in there right yeah. 80 overall no. quarterback that you've <laughs> openly shopped that has shit on you on podcasts with his dog upside down on the couch yeah there's so many different things to take into consideration yeah, fans and, and, and you know honestly it's and it's funny with carolina uh with tepper I think we're seeing a lot of parallels when when jimmy haslam took over the browns i yeah. i think that Trying you're seeing mark. Yeah, I mean, motivated guys, they, they, yeah. they're they going to pour resources into this. Mm-hmm. They want to win. I, I think that, you know, the intention is there. But I think they're quickly understanding how how easily the process can be disrupted, um, especially when you don't have that quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, yeah, I, I think it's just interesting how th- those two ownerships are kind of mirroring each other. All right, my next one here. What happens with all of these teams that have two first-round picks. We don't have to go through all of them. We talked about the Jets a little bit. We talked about the Giants. I keep forgetting that the Texans have two picks in the top 13. I don't, and maybe that's just a blind spot that I have for Houston. But there are so many teams that have these two first-round picks and ways to reshape their team at different points along their team-building process. Dan, we talked about the Jets a little bit. What would yep. you say is your favorite haul for the Giants? The two players that they could come away with in the top seven, you'd be like, that's it. That's the vision. I think it's got to be the tackle and sauce, uh, the corner. Yep. I mean, I think that's that's ideal. You know, James Bradbury probably not going to be on that roster much longer. Um, they we would love to add a right tackle. And they want Andrew Thomas to be the left tackle. You add uh, Evan Neal as your right tackle. I, I mean, that's that, there, there's two building blocks right there. If you're especially with a first year general manager, uh, you know, you've got a new coaching staff in there, two picks in the top seven. You need two cornerstone players, and I think that on both sides of the ball, you've got your right tackle, you got a shutdown corner. Uh, now there's there's a chance neither of those guys will make it uh, to five and seven, but I think that is at least somewhat of a realistic, uh, ideal situation for both picks. Yeah. So moving down, some of these other teams, Nate, right now, as we're recording this show, and you have to put money on it, the Saints have sixteen and nineteen. Do they make those picks? Oh no. No. You don't think so? You no. what, what percentage chance are you putting on it? Five percent that they stay, Pat. Five. Nine. Oh man, I, there's no you, way. You Actually, are just the, you are choosing violence. This man is I, just embracing the chaos right now. And I'm sure Dane understands this. Doing a first like kind of official mock draft, and it's a fun exercise because you realize what runs on positions happen. Yeah. And based on what the Saints are kind of going for, and looking at their roster, looking at you know. QBs and Jameis Winston's contract and all that stuff. And it just, I'm not just saying they're training up for a QB, but kind of how they can be okay there. 
it's like, man, they're moving up for something here. It, like one of those premium spots and tackle makes all the sense of the world. Dane already alluded to it. It's like that makes all the sense because they need they have a glaring hole at left tackle. They have a decent starter there right now, you know, kind of nice swing guy. But it's like just the run on tackles that's going to happen. And so it's like you moved up and you traded all this collateral for just to hang out and get the fifth best tackle or the fourth best tackle. And, you know, maybe you're not your pick of the litter at receiver if there's a run on receivers right before you. So I feel like they either move up to the early teens or they move up to the seventh spot. I don't know if the sixth spot because of Carolina, even the five spot, you know, you don't know like that kind of like range right there. I could see them seeing how things shake out and then taking a stab at a guy. So I think they move. I really do. I think maybe ideally is they use that second rounder they have and one of the first to move up to get that tackle and then they stay with the other one and maybe get the receiver. Or I think that's it, ideal. Yeah, yeah I, I think that they'd love to do that. And it's funny, I was talking to uh, a buddy with the team that they pick in the mid-first round the other day. And you know, I mean, like these teams do mock drafts. You know, as, as much as we yeah. like to you know make fun of mock drafts, Teams do it because they want to, you know, try to come up with scenarios to, yep. you know, where they're picking and who we talked about it with Rick Spielman last week on the show. How yeah, often exactly. they do that? Just like the war room stuff that they do Absolutely. before the draft consistently. Right. And I was talking to him about it, and he said this is the hardest that they've ever tried to do a mock draft because they. He, he said, "I can promise you, we're going to see a lot of trades. There's going to be a lot of action that's totally going to disrupt." what we think is going to happen. So, you know, a team that's picking in the 15 to 25 range, yep. they're they're buckled in uh, because they think this is going to be a, a, a bumpy ride until they get to their pick because they're, they're just not sure how it's going to play out. Because And a big part of that is going to be the trade action. I was looking at the history of teams with multiple first-round picks. I got sent down an unfortunate stat head pro football reference rabbit hole that I spent way too much time on. But by my count, and this could be wrong because I just did it by hand very crudely, I counted 34 teams that had multiple first-round picks since 2001 when the new CBA was put into place. 34. It's more than I expected. Yeah, that does sound sound like a lot. But when you look at it, it's a combination of a ton of different things. You have teams trading up. The Saints have done it multiple different times. (laughs) The Browns have done it so many times. Because the Browns have, have the Wentz trade. Yeah. They have the Deshaun Watson trade. They got an extra first-round pick for Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson, yeah. Which yeah. you totally forget about. So the Browns have absolutely been the team that's done this the most. Uh, but Sammy Watkins, yeah. Sammy oh, yeah. Watkins is another Watkins. one. Yeah. So, the, But the cool. Browns are – That's it kind of brings me to my next point. Most of the time, when a team has multiple first-round picks, they're in rebuilding mode. They're trading away top five picks. They're moving on. They're trying to accumulate assets. That's why – the situation with the Chiefs and the Packers is so strange because we very rarely see teams that are true contenders, like on the doorstep of a championship, have this chance to restock the cupboard right. at this stage of their trajectory. Of the 34 teams that I found, there were three that I think you could argue were in a similar position. The 2018 Patriots who traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks yep. to, the, to the Rams. They were just coming off a Super Bowl appearance. The 2029 ers who traded DeForest Buckner for the Colts' first-round pick right. after coming off a Super Bowl appearance. And in a way, the 2021 Ravens, because they got that extra first-round pick in the Orlando Brown trade, even though there was a second involved in there and whatever. But of the 34 times it's happened, there's really only been three others that even slightly resemble what's going on with the Packers and the Chiefs right now. And I think that's why what they're sitting there looking at, Nate, is absolutely fascinating. We just never see this. Yeah. We got like we got 
Aaron Rodgers, uh, who hasn't retired, remind you, Packers, you know, loaded with two first rounders. Chiefs, you still have Patrick Mahomes there and really decent roster still. Actually, looking at it and breaking it down, I was, you know, you still, and the Tiger Kill, whatever, whatever, but how they're hodgepodging the receivers is making a lot of sense as you start looking at their roster. And you look at these teams and it's like, man, the Packers won really. It's like they're replenishing. They're kind of like they can go on these nice paths as a, it's, a, it's almost like they are playing Madden. It's like we already got our, you know, 99 quarterback. And then we can go, oh, man, you know, we we got this guy. He's got contract here. So we're going to have a rotational guy uh, with our first round pick. And then we can like, you know, they could just do so many go down so many different paths with these. And it was really hard actually doing the mock again. I'm going to refer to it about 17 times. Uh, it's just that. What positions do they go down? Is it like, are they going to help the D-line? How Are they going to help the O-line? Are they going to go to receiver in the first round? Like that is super interesting to me because they can just go down so many paths and they're still contending. Like they're still one of the NFC favorites with all these different picks that they have in the first couple of days. The other thing with the Chiefs too that's really interesting is it's not that just that they have two ones. They have two twos. Yep. They have two threes. They have two fours. Yep. So multiple picks in the first four rounds. I mean, the chances of them actually picking at all eight <laughs> of those spots, probably not not high. Uh, but it's just interesting. They have all that ammo. Uh, you know, how's, how's Veach going to play with all those yeah. draft picks? It's going to be fascinating. And so rarely do we see a team that has championship aspirations. And let's say the Chiefs take half a step back this year as part of this process. That wouldn't necessarily be shocking. But I think they do still have championship aspirations. And usually when we have a team with that sort of ammo that controls the draft in that way, we're talking about a Dolphins team two years into their rebuild with one surprising we almost made the playoff season under their belt. Not we've been to four straight, hosted four straight AFC yeah. championship games, and we have more draft capital than pretty much every other team in the league heading into the weekend. It's just such a weird situation. Speaking yeah. of weird situations... <laughs> Next question here. Where do we think the quarterbacks end up? I mean, it, it's there's just so much uncertainty, like you alluded to, Dane, compared to what we typically see at the top of the draft. As we inch closer here, as we're three days away from the first round happening, are there any landing spots that you're starting to feel good about? Uh, Nate, you want to take this one? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I mean, it's hard. I, it's I don't, hard. I, I, it's, uh, that could be the answer. That's totally fine. Uh, no, Nate, tell the people where you had the quarterbacks going in your mock. Okay, that's perfect. And actually, that's what I said. I said my head cannon, like in my own little imaginary tells that I have in my brain, I have Malik Willis going to the Seahawks because that's one that seems to make sense to me, at least when I just talk it out. And, you know, Pete Carroll's not going anywhere. Like, you know, and he actually has that kind of bulletproofness to actually like withstand. Ooh, I love that. That's a great take. It's a great <laughs> to take. He can that. withstand the Malik Willis timeline and some yep. of the heat from it. That's great. I love so, that. That's, and, that's, and honestly, in my note, I said, no true insight, just gut feeling. So <laughs> that that's where I'm at with that. And honestly, I want to say Pickett is going to be a Panther just because of the, the temper thing or the background, but I have no idea with that. I It really does just seem like they're going line. And for me, again, this is another headcanon thing is like, you know, Ritter to the Steelers just feels right at 20. And I actually, when I did my mock and I looked at yours afterwards, Dan, I was like, oh, we both had that at 20. So I was like, I was pretty fired up about that. And also like with, with Ritter too is, you know, you have the, as the Titans, a sneaky one. Like you can't overstate the Luke Fickle, Mike Vrabel connection. Like that's another thing too. So like those, that's just me just kind of like, oh, those are all imaginary tells I'm having fun with in my head. 
Yeah, I, I was told that Ritter impressed the Steelers uh, pretty well, and, and ownership was part of that meeting uh, okay. as well. And Ritter, Ritter uh, held held his own, handled himself very well in that that meeting. So, uh, and it's interesting that the Seahawks they brought in one quarterback for a thirty visit, uh, and it was Ritter. And that, so that's interesting. That uh, interesting. You know, I, I don't know how to interpret that. Um, yeah, you know, I don't. The Seahawks haven't really been. Um, at least publicly um, that, that we know of been in on these quarterbacks in terms of uh, the interest level. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. It makes all the sense in the world um, that, that he would do that. It, it's really hard to figure out. And especially because rarely do we see quarterbacks, you know, teams stay, stay put and the quarterback just fall in their laps. You know, yeah. it's it, unless you're picking a one or two, uh, you know, Mac Jones going to the Patriots last year where the Patriots were picking, that that just doesn't happen. It's yeah. you know, usually we see it like the Bears trading up to get Justin Fields. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a little bit of trade action with these quarterbacks. It's just, yeah, how is it going to play out? You know, like the Steelers, we've seen them be aggressive in the past. If they wanted to go get a Troy Polamalu or a Devin Bush, they'll go get their guy in the first round. Are they going to feel like they they need to do that? So yeah. the trade action with these quarterbacks is, is really going to be interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. So that brings me to my next question. Who should draft the quarterback in the first round? Because so much of the conversation over the last couple months has been that any time this is suggested, people recoil in horror. Like the idea of Malik Willis going two to Detroit, people are like, oh, God. (laughs) Really? Or the idea of Kenny Pickett going six. It's like, you really want to take Kenny Pickett with the sixth overall pick? So, Nate, which, which marriage between team and quarterback in the first round would not inspire that reaction from you. You would just sit there and be like, "Yeah, you know what? That makes sense. I actually kind of like that." If one of the if Willis Ritter did fall to twenty, or if they decided to pick it at twenty to the Steelers, that's like the only one I've like. I'm like, that makes sense at that spot. Pick twenty. These guys make sense. As soon as you get before twenty, is when I start kind of like 
you know, get a little antsy, kind of like, I don't really like that. It just feels a little too much. It's like I paid an extra 50 bucks for a concert just because my friends were going. So it's like, you know, oh yeah, that was fun. I get it. I've talked myself into it. All right, I'll have a drink and I'll be okay with it. But that's what it kind of feels like, you know, when I'm like talking myself into these guys. So really that's the only one where I've started to feel good. And maybe the Titans, if one of these guys did fall there, like that's like, that's it. But those are guys, those are situations where it's like, they're kind of like rebooting their looks of teams. Now I would say rebuilding, but just rebooting. So that's why it makes sense as opposed to a team that's desperate for one, uh, uh, like the Panthers where I'm like, oh, I don't know at six, that's crazy. If they move back. Maybe we can talk about it. Do you have one Dane? Like in the back half of the first round, if it happened, you'd be like, yeah, you know what? I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with, with Nate at, at 20. That, that's where I think it really makes sense. Um, and uh, uh, really Malik Willis at 32 to the lions. Um, would be yeah. like, Two feels way too early, but 32, I mean, we remember that's the Lions coaching staff had Malik Wilson at the Senior Bowl. You know, yeah. they've got a lot of intel uh, on, on the person, the player, um, you know, just just everything that he offers. So Malik Willis at 32, that's one where I'd be like, okay, that makes, I think, value yeah. matches, um, you know, the, the timeline of where uh, that franchise is as an offense yeah. uh, in, a, in, in their culture. And everything. I, I think that would line up uh, in a lot of different ways. You mentioned Tennessee, Nate. I actually, that one makes sense to me too, just because of where they are and they're in this weird middle ground where they kind of mm-hmm. went all in with this version of the roster and they made the playoffs and they've been too good to get up there for a quarterback. Is this weird class maybe their best chance to hit that soft reset button, find whatever the next stage of the franchise looks like after Tannehill? Is it Desmond Ritter? Like that's the other team that is just in the back of my mind. Like when we get yeah. toward the back half of the first round, is that a team that thinks this is our chance? This yeah. is our chance to figure out what the next version of this ends up shaping up to be. All right. Yeah. Dane, pretty simple one. Who is the most intriguing team in the draft to you? The one whose plan next weekend, you just cannot wait to see it unfold. Well, I mean, a lot of the, I think we've touched on them already. Like, I mean, Carolina at six, I, I cannot wait uh, just to see how that plays out. The Jets at four and 10, I think yep. they have a real opportunity here to, you know, assuming Zach Wilson takes that next step uh, in year two, they have a real chance to uh, take a jump as a, as a team. So, you know, those two teams uh, particularly stand out. Uh, the Saints, just because I think they're going to be aggressive, uh, are another one. So I, 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 really a lot of the teams that we've already touched on are, are, are the most intriguing. So I, I guess just a different version of this question, maybe a team whose plan is will illuminate something about them one that hasn't been around for a while is there a new regime that you want all right what are they going to do because i want to find out what type of team they want to start building yeah i i think that uh maybe uh maybe houston i mean because like you like you mentioned you, you know, forget they have two picks and so they can you know this is the post deshaun watson era um we don't think they're taking a quarterback but what who do they see as the building blocks uh, to what they want to build uh on both sides of the ball at three with Houston, they could go with the defensive lineman. They could go an offensive lineman. They could go with the corner. Um, I, I've I've heard whispers that, that Garrett Wilson's in play at number three. So I, oh, I think that there's so many different directions Houston could go with those two picks. Uh, and I'm just interested, you know, what's their plan? Uh, you know, Nick Casario and Lovey Smith. What's what's their? It just feels like the Texans have been in limbo forever. And so I want to see what their plan is. Who they take at those two picks will definitely. Uh, like you said, kind of illuminate a little bit for us. How about you, Nate? Is there one yeah. you just like, I want to see a light shine on this in a way that we just don't have right now? 
Yeah, it, well, I, I think the most interesting team to me is the Jets because of just what they're doing with all the yeah. stuff and also with the Packers, what are they going to do with that pick 22 and all that. But uh, no, but the Giants, I want to know what they're doing with yeah, those two same. picks. That's that's the one. New new regime. They're kind of sort I mean, they really are rebuilding as a whole franchise. What are they going to do with Daniel Jones? I mean, that's further down the road. But are they going to help him out or are they going to go, hey, Wink, who do you want? Like, you know, are they going to just say, screw it, we'll go BPA or like how they kind of construct with all that draft capital that they have right now. They could really kind of like you can see what they're aiming for and going for. Uh, one other team I want to mention, too, is the Chargers, because they yeah. they just seem like they're on the brink. You know, like they, this is a, a team that is ready to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And so you know, who do they see as that guy at 17 that can help them? get over the hump is it a right tackle is it another receiver is it someone on, on defense that staley really loves so i, I think the chargers are, i'm really interest, interested to see what they do as well especially because they don't have that second round pick so yeah. they're not picking till the third so who they take at one and at one at 17 is going to be pretty important yep they traded that second round pick to chicago selfishly i want to see what they do with those two second round picks mm -hmm. what do they think they need are they really trying to build around justin fields if they don't get if they go draft logan hall with that first second round pick and we're picking three techniques as Justin Fields is throwing to Byron Pringle and Equiminius St. Brown and everything else. It's going to tell me a lot and it's going to tell me some <laughs> things I don't necessarily want to hear. So selfishly, I'm very excited to see and very interested to see where the bears go with that pit, those picks, but I'm totally with you on the giants, Nate. I just yeah. think that Joe Shane coming from Buffalo and what we saw in Buffalo and that entire rebuilding process and how it went it's just been such an instructive set of team building practices. And I want to see what that looks like replicated or in some other form, but them trying to do some version of that again with the giants and where that starts. And it starts with two top 10 picks, which is in a bad place. All right. I want to get some more player specific questions here about the guys actually in this draft. Dane, who do you think has the biggest possible range of where he could go among the prospects. This is the one I want class. to hear Dan's answer. So I'm like, I'm <laughs> well, very I, curious. I think this almost has to be a non-quarterback question because. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really I mean, yeah. Non-quarterback category. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I didn't want to give a non-quarterback qualifier to all of these, but yeah. right, yes, right. for the most yeah. part, it's a non-quarterback qualifier to all of these. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that we're looking at first round picks. I mean, I, I think that Tyler Linderbaum definitely falls in there. Uh, there's a wide range where he could go. Uh, Chris Olave, I, because on one hand, the, the lack of physicality, the lack of, uh, run after catch, the yak skills, that's going to bother a lot of teams. And they're just not interested in a receiver like that in the first round. But at the same time, he's pro ready, the polish that you're getting for some teams, that's going to be a, a fit a perfectly exactly what they're looking for. So he could go as early as 11 or a lot of it could be available in, in the mid twenties. I don't think that would be a surprise. So I think a has got a, a wide range. And then on defense, what about 39? You think he could be available at 39? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't, you're more, you're looking more at Logan Hall there at 39. Uh, I, I think that on defense, uh, Devin Lloyd, probably, you know, it, yeah, that's who I said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he could go in the teens. I, I could see Baltimore taking him. Um, he could slip to the bottom of the first round. I mean, the off ball linebackers, you know, each team looks at them a little bit differently. Yeah, I think Devin Lloyd can do everything, but at the same time, you know, it's just not going to be a fit for whatever team's looking for in the first round. 
How about you, Nate? Outside of Devin Lloyd, who would be your answer? Yep, Devin Lloyd. And I just said a lot of the receivers. I even saw maybe Drake London, too. Like, some teams might love him like I do, but then some teams go, not fast enough. We need speed. We need juice. We need guys to take the top off, yada, yada, yada. And he might drop into the 20s. I don't think he might, but that range could be interesting. Um, George Carl Office is another one that yeah. I, that's an yeah, interesting that's a range. One. And yeah, that one, I really like him. I, I, I'm a fan of his, but I could see him, some teams loving him, take him in the teens, but I could also see him falling and, and not out of the first round, but late where teams just are ceiling right concerns with him. Yeah. You know? you just, yeah. You know, I, I, he's a guy that everybody has a very, it's always eye of the beholder. I'll keep saying that, but everyone has a very differing opinion on him. All of them, everyone like kind of goes, yeah, I like him. But then it's also like how much you like him. Yeah. And that's uh, where you see that big, big range on him. I know multiple teams that have second run grades on them, um, yeah. but I just keep coming I back see, to. I understand that totally. Right, I, I just keep coming back to pass rush. I mean, I just yeah. feel like there's there's just no way he gets out of the top top twenty five to top thirty because he better not. teams <laughs> teams want pa- yeah teams want pass rush, but yeah, you, you never know because uh, grades are pretty split across the league. So, Nate, this one, again, let's qualify with non-quarterbacks. It's a, it's a difficult question to answer because it matters for everyone. But I really want to zero in on somebody specifically. Which player in this class's fit matters the most to you? Like, their landing spot, even more than we typically see, is going to decide whether they sink or swim in the league. Traylon Burks. I mean, it is. That's, that's the perfect one to That is, that's, like, he could go into a situation where I'm like, this is going to be great for him. Give him some time. Let him develop figure out to be a real receiver. And then there might be one where a team loves what he brings to the table, but then too much too soon, you know, too, too much on his plate. And it's just like, Oh my God, we're giving this guy. It's the Jalen Rager, you know, trajectory. I'm not saying that they're same player. I know it's all situation and all that, but just saying too much too soon. Oh my God, this guy can't handle it. His confidence drops. And then all of a sudden at the end of year two, the whole fan base is like, get him out of here, get him out of here. That's a guy I can really see. Um, Another one. And just on, a on a defensive side uh, as Trent McDuffie. And I know you like him, Dana, as well. Yeah. If certain schemes, I would love him in. Uh, just like more zone heavy. Let him use his intelligence. Let him use his awareness. And, you know, but then if it's a man heavy, a pressure heavy scheme, be, I'm like a little, like I, I think he'd be smart enough to maybe jump on balls, but maybe you don't want him to live in man-to-man coverage all day. Not that I think teams that do that would really prefer him, but that's a guy like if he's in certain defenses, he would be unlocked. He'd be like, that's a good player right there. How about yeah. you, Dane? No, that makes sense because yeah, McDuffie, he just he's gonna get bodied up. I mean, there will be times where uh, it's just a matter of inches, and he just doesn't have them. Um, yeah. uh, Burks is the first name I wrote down, um, so I'm with you there. On defense, I wrote down uh, Kyle Hamilton uh, because I mean, part of the appeal yeah. with Hamilton is the versatility, all the different things he can do for you. But I, it's and maybe it's not so much the 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 fit as it is going to a defensive coordinator that understands how to best deploy him because you don't really want him man-to-man working yeah. against the slot. You know, want him going in reverse too much. You want him split safety, working downhill, reading from depth, you know, stretching out those long legs, uh, using that high-speed mental processor that he has to go make plays. I know, you know, he's taken a lot of heat for the the 4.5940 at the at the combine, then he ran a 4.70 at the pro day. I just, I mean, who watches his tape and comes away with the conclusion that he's slow? I mean, nobody, not, not a single person. So, and a, and a big part of that is because by the time the play is happening, he's already on a second step. Like he, yep. he's so smart. He anticipates, he knows what's coming. And, and so I, I just, hopefully he goes to a, a scheme and a coordinator that best understands his strengths as a player and how to, how to use just that, that unique combination of skills. It's kind of funny that he lacks speed, but you want to give him space so he can read and react. It's kind of, yeah. it's a weird, 
thing. It's, but it's that, the modern safety, though, right? But like, he's that's, so smart. He's so yeah, smart. It but it's like you want to give him space to read and react because that's how he overcomes the speed deficiency, which is weird. Usually it's like, you no, know, you want those fast guys to have space so they can make up for it. So it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting for him. It's like, no, you want to give him space so he can read and react. Yeah. But Where would no, you like to cool. see him, Dane, that you think that he would be best used? Oh, that's a tough question because I, I, I mean, I, I, I think that um, I, I'd like to see what Ron Rivera could do with him, uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, with, with like like what they like to do or what they want to do. Um, maybe with Lovey Smith uh, in Houston. You know, you think about some of the the safeties he had with the Bears those years. I, I mean, I think that eleven, twelve, thirteen. That's kind of the sweet spot, I think, for Kyle Hamilton. I think there's a good chance he lands somewhere in those that three pick range. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of those spots might actually make sense for him as a good fit. Yeah. Washington, I, I hadn't even thought about that, but I would kind of love it. And that's a really awesome. fun fit for him there. All right, Nate, you have to pick one guy from the first round. That's immediately a pro bowler. The guy that we do not have to squint from the start. Somebody like last year. I'm not Jamar Chase is a different category, right? Jamar Chase is yeah. like once every however long. But we still have a couple others. <laughs> a, a Kyle Pitts, a Rishon yeah. Slater, a, yeah. a Patrick Sertan, where it's like, oh shit, right away, huh? Who is that guy for you in the first round? Yeah, Sertan. That I'm keeping at that corner, and if he's healthy, I'm going to go with Derek Stingley and mm-hmm. just being an instant contributor. Ooh. Yeah, it's a little spicy, uh, but I, no, I, I like re- it. I, like I really it. like him, but you know, we've seen Marshawn Lattimore have a good rookie year. Sertan, I know Sertan, you know, they get the accolades and everything, but, but I think, I think he could, he can be plop and play more than you usually see with corners. I, I was actually pleasantly surprised when watching him. That's what's fun about him and sauce is that, and McDuffie, you watch these guys and you're like, I can see this guy contributing early, which most corners you watch, you're like, Okay, he's got traits, <laughs> which is a nice way of saying he's a project. <laughs> he's got traits that we're going to work on. Uh, I, I think I would go with, because uh, I, I did think Sauce was one of the first names that came to mind, um, you know, go to corner. I'm going to go with Zion Johnson. Um, ah, I, nice. I think that, you know, like nice. he goes to Dallas at 24 or the Bucks at 27, where, you know, he's going to a, a decent line, a, a good offense. Where you know it's it's a little bit of light will be on him because obviously that's part of it for an offensive lineman as a rookie if you're going to be able to be a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean Zion Johnson's NFL ready. Like there, there's yeah. maybe that one of the knocks on him is he's probably you know the upside maybe not theirs because he's already maybe hit that ceiling, but that ceiling's pretty good. He's stout. I mean he his his body control, his intelligence, uh, his play strength. I love how he stays centered at the point of contact. So. Uh, I think Zion Johnson, if he goes to the right team, that that, that could be a, uh, one of the guys that contends for uh, maybe Pro Bowl status. Yeah. All right, Dane. Who is this year's Peyton Turner? The guy that he's going to go in the back half of the first round, and somebody watching at home is going to be like, "What? Who? Who the hell is that?" Well, it's just let's keep it with Houston defensive lineman, uh, <laughs> yes. the all, aforementioned Logan Hall. Uh, I love it. You know what? He I, deserves to go in the first round. He absolutely <laughs> does. Yes. I, everything I've heard, that guy deserves <laughs> to be a first round pick. Uh, I don't. I don't. He might. Not, I don't think he makes it uh, too far if he doesn't. So, uh, I uh, Cincinnati at thirty one is really interesting fit um, as a as a three technique, but also a guy that can move to the edge. So I, I really like Logan Hall there. Um, and then the other name that came to mind, Quay Walker. I think a lot of people, when they think of Georgia linebackers, they immediately think the Kobe Dean. Uh, but Quay Walker, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first linebacker drafted ahead of Devin Lloyd, ahead of the Kobe Dean. Uh, he's got the size of a defensive end. He's 6'4", 240, ran a 4'5", 2", uh, under 6'9", in the three cone. He has the versatility that a lot of teams like because he can rush, he can 
play the run. He can drop in coverage. He didn't allow a touchdown this year as a covered defender. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, the Patriots uh, took by 21. In a lot of ways, he's the perfect Belichick linebacker. So yeah. uh, Quay, Quay Walker, I think, uh, uh, fills, uh, answers this question too. We, we talked a lot about the physical profile, modern linebackers, where they're being drafted, what's successful in the show that we did with Deontay last week. And that length has become such a priority, and you yep. see it. I mean, the guys that have been successful, length is a huge part of it. And this is a guy with 96 percentile wingspan, like you said, 6'3 and 3 quarters. I mean, he is a big, big dude, which is so funny because N'Kobe Dean is not a big, big dude. They're yeah. on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And what teams see in those two body types, I think, is absolutely fascinating. All right, Nate, how about you? I went with Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Uh, offensive tackle. I think this you guy, like Tyler Smith. I would never take him in the first round, but I do like him. Uh, <laughs> dude, dude's got to work on his hands, man. He, he, every snap, he looks like, you know, it's Easter. Uh, but it's a lot, <laughs> a lot with him is he's a guy that I could see NFL teams talking themselves into. He has that kind of those traits, those movement skills that, like I said, this, again, this exercise with the mock and seeing like where the tackles went and if penning goes and a team goes, all right, so what if a team, okay, a team does move up from the 20s and they move back. Okay, so that means a team from the teens or the, you know, the early picks is moving back into the 20s. What if they do really want to get a tackle? You know, all those guys that everyone's making a run for, the receivers are gone. All those other premium positions are gone. They're like, oh, shoot, who's the best guy on our board? Well, this guy, you know, we, you liked him, right, Bob? Like, you know, like they, they talk to the old line coach loves him. The old line coach says he gets his hands on him. He's going to get, get Bob in here. Get yeah, Bob in get, here. Exactly. That's what, that's what happens though. But it's like they get, but I could see a team talking themselves into him in the late first. I really can't just because of movement stuff. Again, I wouldn't take him before pick 50, but it's, uh, but another one, and this is more, if anyone's been on football Twitter, they won't, won't shut up about it is uh sky Moore, uh, a receiver from Western Michigan. I looked this morning, his over under and his pick position was at 34 and a half, which mm -hmm stunning to me uh i really like him but again this guy i thought more was a second round type but that's another guy that people go who the hell's sky Moore? where the hell's western michigan oh no i shouldn't say that's a directional school that's not that but uh but that guy and another receiver is christian watson who me and dan have talked about before <laughs> but uh but that's a guy north dakota state receiver that you know might is getting a lot of overhype uh from teams just because of, you know his traits and his senior bowl stuff so that's a guy that i can maybe see sneaking in even if i don't agree with it you know who sky Moore reminds me of Golden <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Is it because yeah. of his body type? <laughs> All right. Dane, who falls? Who is the guy? And I'm not talking about a Tyler Linderbaum that we think could go in the top 15 that ends up going 31. I'm talking about somebody who you've seen mocked in the first round that we don't see come off the board in the first 75 picks. Yeah, I mean, that that's... That's tough because I mean, how often do we see that? But I, I do. All right, do, so let's say let's say outside the top fifty. Let's say the back okay. half of the second round for somebody that you've seen consistently go in the first round in mocks. I mean, I think you know maybe some of these receivers because we've talked about so many receivers sneaking in yeah. there, um, like a George Pickens, uh, who you know is has X traits, uh, you know, but coming off the ACL and um, you know just as a route runner, he's still coming along. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised maybe if he doesn't go as early as some people think. And then a few of the injury guys, uh, like Andrew Booth from Clemson, the corner. Uh, you know, corner is such a stopwatch position. We don't have any testing numbers on him. Yeah, uh, no stopwatch. Right. So for some teams, that's that's going to matter. Maybe that drops him out of the first round. 
Uh, and then uh, a guy we mentioned earlier with the the Georgia linebackers, Nicobe Dean. Uh, you, you love what you see on tape, but the lack of size, uh, the fact that he's another guy, no pre-draft testing data. Yep. I'm not saying he should fall, but I don't think it'd be a mystery if he's still available on Friday night. How about you, Nate? Who's, who's going to be sitting there at pick 47? Like, man, I can't believe that. The guy who's been number one on DJ's board the entire day, like he just has been sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Who oh. is that guy? Oh, man. But Andrew Booth was my first one. Same reasons Dane laid out injury concerns. You just don't know. And especially height, weight, speed, you know, it's like, okay, if that's your calling card, what, what, what can you, what, what do you hang your hat on? So I can see teams kind of like overthinking, not overthinking it, but really having that concern with him. I love the Pickens one too, because that seems to be a late buzz one. It's like, you know, he's been around for a few years, guys. Um, but the other one uh, uh, is for me, and this is just a, I don't think this happens, but this just is a non-injury category, non, you know, the guy just falls and that's Traylon Burks. And that's just mm-hmm. because just those things we've laid out before on multiple shows, teams just finally just go, I don't know. And they just don't pull the trigger. Not saying he falls to 60, but maybe he does end up in that early second, mid-second, just because just of the concerns we've laid out, and teams just don't want that. All right. Dane, who is the biggest risk in the first round? And let me qualify this. I'm talking like Caleb Farley last year, where you understand the swing, but you're kind of holding your breath for the team that ultimately pulls the trigger on it. So I think a non-quarterback of... is maybe a potential right. qualifier here as yeah, well. Right. Yeah, Malik no, Willis. no, yeah, the Malik Willis. <laughs> yeah, Malik Willis is the answer. But... <laughs> uh, I think that it's funny how many answers could be Traylon Burks here uh, throughout this whole thing. But uh, a couple of tackles, uh, I think, fit this. Uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. I- I'm a big fan of his. 6'7", 325. He had the best 10-yard split, 20-yard split of any lineman at the Combine. So an outstanding athlete at that size. You love the 34-and-a-half-inch arms. Um, he's intelligent. He's got that aggressive mentality. So if I'm selling penning in a war room, it's not too hard. But again, this is an FCS player who is not used to facing top tier pass rushers. And if he doesn't develop uh, a more consistent timing and placement with his hands, uh, all those selling points I just mentioned really won't matter because at the NFL level, pass rushers will be able to break him down in space. Uh, it's you know we know offensive line in the NFL is such a, a technical position. So uh, because his long-term success is is so it's it's so tied to his development with his hands and his pad level, it, it's you know it's a projection and, and yes, technique is fixable, but it's also a muscle memory thing and by no means a guarantee that he'll get there. So I think with with Trevor Penning, there is some some risk there when you factor in all those uh, all those concerns. And then the second guy uh, who who Nate brought up before, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. I mean, a lot of the same yep. reasons. I, there's a good chance he does go first round. He's explosive. You're excited about uh, you know his trajectory, what he's going to be, but it's a huge projection. And so I mean, it's just that's that's a huge risk. So we have seen worse tackles than Tyler Smith go in the first round. But I mean, I, I, I'm with Nate. I I, I mean, he's yeah. he's he. I think Dave Proctor stamp of approval. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised. But I think Tyler Smith was I think he was 50 on my on my top 100 board. So I, I'm, I'm with Nate on that one. Yeah. Nate, who you got for me? Yep. No, that uh, Penning was my big one. And I, okay. I Pen- Penning is a bet on your O-line coach. That yep. That's it's If I have Mike, Mike Munchak in the building, Dante Skarnakia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's develop them. But if you don't, I went for uh, Derek Stingley also just because of the injury stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't know if that, yep. if that is a reoccurring thing for him. And also it's like, yeah, he has all the flashes. And it's kind of funny. He said Caleb Farley because I was like, oh, we'll just keep it to corners. This is easy. 
Um, and then my second one was hell Malik Willis, but then we realized, uh, <laughs> we yeah, can't that, that was too easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got, we got to build um, a little bit more difficulty. Trayvon Burks is another answer I had. And then even, <laughs> even the potential number one pick Trayvon Walker, uh, is, is a yeah. risk. It, it's yeah. that he is the home run swing. And then what happens when you swing for home runs, you can strike out. So yeah. that, that's just another one as well. Yeah. Re- relative to where Trayvon Walker is going to go. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. Yep. All right. Dane, who is the guy in five years we're going to look back on and be like, I cannot believe he went there. And some of the guys that I had in mind when I was thinking of this question, like Tyron Matthew going in the third round, Keenan Allen going in the third round, where we just get a little too far in the weeds and we ignore the fact that sometimes good players are just good players. Um, Well, how about a guy that uh, is maybe the closest thing to the Honey Badger in this draft? And I think that's Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. Uh, Super versatile player. He's on the edge one play. He's in the box the next. Uh, When you watch him on film, sometimes he's a true nickel in the slot. Then he's a split safety. Dave Aranda just used him everywhere. So you wish you were a little bit bigger. He's 5'11", 198. But the athletic versatility, the the spatial awareness that he plays with, um, the competitive energy... Uh, all reasons why I think he could end up being a stud, but he might not be drafted in the top 50 picks. He's, I love that. That's perfect. He's, he's one of my answers in a, in a couple of questions, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm so excited that you mentioned him. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, for mine, and I, this won't be a surprise if anyone heard our receiver podcast or see my rankings, and that's Justin Ross. And that's just because of injuries. That's nothing with him. And that's just something – he's not probably going day one or day – no, obviously not day one, but obviously probably not day two either because of the yeah. injury stuff. Um, love the player, but he might be a guy. What if if that five percent that he ends up being fully healthy? It's like wow, whoa! How this guy dropped to the fifth, and it's like because he has a spinal contusion. <laughs> like you guys just well, we forget about the injury stuff. Um, and this is another one uh, is Drake Jackson uh, is another guy one. that I think yeah, just how he was utilized at USC, the weight fluctuation, pass rusher from USC, pass rusher. Right? I'm sorry, yeah. edge yeah. yeah from USC, and really, well, I mean, did a little bit of everything, but yeah, but just I would say edge for now, but uh, but just how he's utilized. And also just like he has some traits that are hard to teach. It's just that he's not a complete player yet, but that might be a guy he gets in the right situation, can develop. And in a few years, it's like, wow, this guy really put it together. Um, the other one would be, but he might go in the first round. I don't think we're really overthinking this too much would be uh, uh, Arnold. Ebukati. Ebukati? Am I saying that right, Dane? Ebukati, yeah. Ebukati, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. from Penn State, uh, late transfer to Penn State and just another guy that's more of a traits traits bet that in a few years if it hits you're like wow this guy really you know really came along in the right situation Dan yeah, I um, love that you do the phonetic spelling in the beast it's it's such no, a nice hey, little touch it's, a, it's as do. much for me as it is for you guys I yeah, mean trust I, me it's, I sincerely appreciate it every time <laughs> uh no I, I'm glad I, I'm, I'm gonna t- I want to talk about Abby Ketty, uh here in a little bit some more but I'm glad you brought up Jake Jackson uh because uh Jackson uh, in my preseason top 50 uh i mean he was like a top 15 guy i, mean, I was yeah. a big drake jackson fan i heard a, of him yeah a big part of that was uh, what he did as a freshman he was so good and yeah you mentioned the weight fluctuation at the combine uh, drake jackson was 254 at the pro day he was 20 pounds heavier and that tells <laughs> so me weird. that scouts got into his ear and said or into his agent's ear and said hey Get back up to where you were as a freshman, where you had not only had this athletic ability, but you had power. You you could win at the point of attack, and so it's it's interesting. They wanted to make him more of a linebacker in that uh, th- that new scheme yeah. they brought in with the coaches, uh, Todd Orlando's scheme, that that B backer that they used. Yeah. But getting him back to being a more of a hand on the ground defensive end, can play the run, can also give you juice as a pass rusher. I I, I love that call. I think Drake Jackson. Uh, he probably will go somewhere um, in the 35 to 65 range and could absolutely end up outplaying that draft spot. 
Nate, if somebody told you tomorrow you have to gain 20 pounds in three weeks, what's the first thing you'd do? Oh, donuts. Oh, uh, great call. Or great call. AM and PM. Uh, cap each day with donuts. Oh, that's a fantastic call. I don't know how roll. I know that because I had to gain 20 pounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of PB&J sandwiches and donuts. <laughs> I, I, would have, I would go get a dozen in the morning and then I would just get an entire pizza for myself for dinner. That was that day one. That's exactly what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I go with. That's that's uh, uh, when Christian Bale got cast as Batman. He had just done the other movie, The Machinist, where he got yeah. like one thirty. Yep. And then he just did. He just bulked up without doing any cardio because and they just started calling him Fat Man because he didn't fit in the suit because <laughs> he got so big because he gained so much weight so quickly. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, well, Christian Bale trivia for you. <laughs> Dane, how about you? What's the first thing you're eating if you got to gain 20 pounds in three weeks? I'm just probably going to Taco Bell three times a day. Oh, uh, that sounds that, – another man. amazing answer. So my I, brother – my brother's getting Strong. married and he's getting Taco Bell as his late night food. So he called me yesterday and asked my opinion about how to, he's literally ordering 300 items from Taco Bell. Amazing. So we got we got to build a menu of 300 Taco Bell items yesterday. <laughs> oh, and that amazing. is as somebody who loves Taco Bell more than my favorite fast food of all time by far. Like I used to live down the street from one in Chicago. Sometime in your life, just pick out 300 items from Taco Bell. Just wow. like let loose and do it. It was an I try, experience. I tried to do the in and out truck at my wedding, but uh, there it's California only. Not uh, Nevada Jeez. doesn't do it. But yeah, that was that was a dream right there. Almost almost got it. God, now uh, I really want Taco Bell. I, my, my wife and I, after our wedding uh, 10 years ago, that's that's where we went. We hit up Taco Bell on the way to the hotel. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, I so much respect for that. It's exactly what I will probably be doing on my wedding night. All right, Nate, who is the guy? That we just overthought in this process that we I, got I, to in our heads about. Are we talking just in general, the the royal we, or are we talking about like me personally? Because either way, you you, you answer this however me, you feel is best, okay. buddy. You okay. trust yourself here. Okay, a couple here. Uh, I think in general we got we overthought Jordan Davis a little bit. I think we have come back to where it's it's nice and centered. I think we're pretty good with him. I would say personally, I overthought Jameson Williams a little bit. Uh, just going like, oh, he's too skinny. He can't do anything. And then I kind of rewatched him. It's again, you watch him at first, you watch everybody, and then you kind of start rewatching guys. And you're like, I like his game a lot more than I originally did. Like, and started watching all the nuances he had to his game. Um, Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State, mm-hmm. would be another one that I maybe, because he was my first watch, because everyone had heard about him, how productive he was. And again, his game, his game I appreciated more. Um, the other one, I'll, I'll throw in one more, and that's uh, uh, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. That's another receiver. I overthought him personally. I know that's this is a day two guy, so I'm not really saying the sexy names right now. But uh, those guys, and then the last one I would say we already mentioned was Devin Lloyd, uh, just a guy that I couldn't, and I'll talk about him again in a little bit, but a guy I maybe overthought, wanted more, and then I realized what he did bring to the table, and I started to like him a little more when I kind of really got his game kind of down. How about the Royal Wii? How about somebody that you've seen Nick pick to death that you's like, I can't believe we're doing this. Like I, Chris, we're Chris gonna... Olave. Okay. <laughs> Chris Olave for me. Cause I just, I, and I don't know if Dane would agree with this, but he's one of the, no guys safe, but one of the safest receiver prospects I've watched, even with his skinniness, just his game. And I just think he's useful. Even if his cap might be a good number two, I just think he, that's a guy that's just going to be a useful football player. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I think it's, yeah. It, it, with Olave, it comes down to more, you know uh, where you drafted him, as opposed to is he is he is he a good football player, or you know is he a guy we want on our team? And I mean, trust me, I'm 
I live in Ohio, so I've been watching them since uh, you know, his freshman year. <laughs> Feels like plays. forever. Yeah. Like, yeah, really, freshman year against against Michigan scoring touchdowns. So, um, I mean, you could tell right away something was different with him, with just the, uh, the the polish that he had as back then as a freshman. He just yeah. it just came naturally to him. Yeah, I've said this before. I just don't trust the frame, and he shouldn't go before thirty nine. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get off of that. It's just I sometimes you have to draw a line in the sand, Dane, when you're yeah. having these conversations about prospects, and that's where I am with Chris Olave. Hey, hey give give polls uh, GM of the year right now if that happens. <laughs> if that happens. All right, who's yours, Dane? Just the guy that maybe you've thought, overthought a little bit of the process, and you're kind of stepping back from, and the guy that you think we as a group have overthought a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah for me, I think. Uh, I tend to overthink guys when the testing numbers or the verified measurables fall short of expectations. Um, and, and I think that was the case with a few guys this year. Um, Auburn corner, Roger McCreary, so much fun to watch on tape. Feisty player, can line up inside, outside, throw the Iron Bowl tape on and just watch him stay attached to Mechie up and down the field. Um, but then we get the official measurements and he's under 29 inches uh, arm length. Not under 30, not under 31, he's under 29 uh, and then he's a four or five athlete. He, he couldn't crack four or five. Uh, so in terms of speed, not ideal. So the list of NFL corners with short arms and four or five speed, it's not a long one. Uh, so you go back to the tape and he just realized, man, this guy's just, he's just a good player. And so yeah. uh, as much as I, I want to, uh, I, 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 I'm just going to have to trust the tape on a guy like this. And, you know, it's, it's always tough saying that because, you know, there's there's certain things that, that like that there's value in the numbers and, and things like that. But I, I'm going to trust the tape on this guy. I think he's a second round player all day. Um, and, and then the the collective we, I mean, I'm going back to Traylon Burks. Uh, you know, like I said, he's a guy we could answer for a lot of these questions. But yeah. with Burks uh, and, and myself included, I mean, Garrett Wilson's been my guy since the start. He's been my mm-hmm. wide receiver one, no wavering there. But Burks at one point was my wide receiver too, and primarily based on the film grade. Uh, but then he goes to the combine, runs a four-five-five. Uh, my spies at Arkansas told me he was close to 240 pounds towards the end of the season. Uh, he doesn't try to run the 40 again at the pro day, which tells me he's happy with the four-five-five. Yeah. Uh, so you go back to the tape, and uh, it, you know you you all of a sudden maybe some of the issues that you had with them become a little more apparent. You know he's raw as a route runner. He struggles against press. Um, you know, he just has a long way to go. And so um, I, I just, I found it very easy to waver on Burks. I think a lot of people are in that camp, especially when you try to, in a vacuum, it's true, but also when you try to stack him with Olave and Drake London and the other receivers this year, that's where it becomes really easy to waver on a guy like this. Absolutely. Just because yeah. his skill set, we just talked about it, maybe more situation-based. You have to just squeeze in and think about it a little bit more yeah. because it's not as traditional. I mean, there's so many different considerations. By the way, I cannot wait until Traylon Burks goes when we're live this weekend. Yeah. I mean, just have all the just, yeah. just one of those guys. And there's 10 of them, right? Like yeah. when Jordan Davis comes off the board, like the, what's, what is the reaction going to be when Olave goes? But Burks is somebody we've just come back to so many times. It's kind of why I wanted to do this early in the week, just like stoke some of the things that we're excited about. So that's just one of those. When that happens, very much looking forward to it. All right, Dane. Who outside the top 100 is going to be a day one starter? Somebody that just is one of those surprise stories in camp. It's like, oh, man, that guy looks great. Somebody that came to mind when I was thinking of this question, like Jordan Fuller, goes in the sixth round and then just comes in and is immediately a starting level contributor for the team that drafts him. Uh, I love this question. I mean, day three is my favorite day. Uh, There's going to be players that come out of that group. um, And I look at the running back class this year. We're going to see some running backs go on day two, obviously. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. 
Uh, you know, Isaiah Spiller's probably there. Maybe one or two sneak in there. But a ton of running backs are coming off the board on day three. And in, in the right situation, could there absolutely be a James Robinson in that group? No, no doubt. But I think a lot of that's going to be situation-based. Uh, at receiver, if there's a Darnell Moody in this class, a, a day three speedster who's uh, just too good to keep off the field, and it becomes clear quickly that he, he needs to be out there in the starting lineup or at least seeing starter-level snaps, I think SMU's Danny Gray is that guy. Uh, legit 4-3 speed. Uh, and I'll be interested to see how, what Nate thinks about uh, about Gray. I, I, I loved watching him on tape because he's making plays at all three levels. Uh, he's a young player, still figuring out how good he can be. So Danny Gray would be my off, my answer on offense. On defense, uh, one of my favorite day, uh, day three guys this year is Oklahoma State linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez. A little undersized, but very, very smart. He understands football geometry, so he's going to find that quickest route to the football. Uh, he sorts through things lightning quick. He was a state champion wrestler in high school, and, and that shows as a tackler and, and when he uh, gets off blocks. So if he goes to the right situation where there's a path for him to push for starting reps, uh, Rodriguez absolutely could win that job in camp. And I think coaches are just going to love the diagnosed skills, the competitive toughness. Uh, a big fan of Rodriguez. Nate, how about you? Who's your guy? Uh, my first one would be Kate Otten, uh, tight end for Washington. Mm-hmm. And that's just a guy I could see having a role early because of just his I guess well-roundedness would be a decent way to put it, but I liked him as a blocker. Uh, that was one of the things that appealed to me as, uh, as him. I've seen some question marks about him. I didn't, I liked him. I thought he was good already. A true Y tight end. Um, and that's why I think he could play early where it's, out, it's outside the top 100. You take him in fourth round and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy, we have a rookie starting tight end who's playing 20 snaps for us, 18 snaps for us because he's just, you know, decent blocker. And my kind of more of a receiver's best, or a quarterback's best friend underneath as a receiver, not like a, guy you're going to dial up plays for on third down but uh and I, on defense i'll say darian beavers from cincinnati um and that's just another guy and he might be he might sneak in day two but it's uh, if we're going outside maybe more of a day three guy can kind of do a lot of things well it's kind of hard to figure out what he hangs his hat on completely but i like his size a little bit and i like just i could see him getting to the right spot where they just kind of go okay this is what you're in now this is what you're running, and we get him into a good role for him where you can really see his, his traits come out. But that's another one that I, I like. And I like what Dane brought up. I do think there's a lot of good backs that are going to go in that fourth round, that area. And I think, you know, of course, one or two of them are going to end up playing a ton. Um, I mean, there's – I mean, Rashad White, I've talked about with you, Dane from Arizona State, yeah. Pierce Strong, Damian Pierce. I mean, that, that's just a couple. And there's a few more that a lot of people like as well. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIP. Easy.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we got five more here. Let's run through these. Okay. Dane, who is one guy, in your opinion, that will go outside the top three at his position but could develop into the best guy of the bunch at that spot? There's a couple of people I'm thinking of. Justin Jefferson is like this. Max Crosby in 2019 fits this bill a little bit. Mark Andrews is like this in 2018. Darius Leonard. Who's that kind of guy for you in this draft? Uh, I mean, the low-hanging fruit here is uh, whoever the fourth receiver ends up being. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a cheap one. Great yeah. answer. Alavi, Wilson, Jamison, Drake. Whoever's the fourth one, I think, is the answer. But um, uh, this is where I want to talk about Arnold Epichetti from Penn State, who yeah. probably won't be one of the five pass rushers, first five pass rushers drafted. But he's long. He's twitched up. Um, even if he's only a, a specialist as a rookie where, you know, he's a sub-package guy. And if they just let him loose, um, he's a guy that won't surprise me if he has 8 to 12 sacks as a rookie. I think that's that's possible for him in the right situation. He also, he made more plays away from the line of scrimmage than maybe any other defensive end uh, that I've scouted the last few years. I, the motor just doesn't quit on this guy. He, he chases down plays mm-hmm. in a big way. And that's something that obviously uh, will appeal to coaches and get him, get him on the field uh, pretty quickly. Nice. Nate, how about you? Yeah, I was I was Jalen Petrie here at safety, and just because versatility is going to become more and more important, especially at the safety spot, he can play slot, which is huge for just what he can do. He's great on pressures, so I, I love that Dane said he's like, well, we're talking about Honey Badger, and that's actually even my note. I said, give him to the Chiefs, and I would love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would freaking love him with Spags. Like, I I love that's one of my favorite kind of player to team fits. Um, uh, George Carl office would be my other one at edge just just because you don't know like how he hits and we're just going outside the top three that seemed like kind of you know another one that's like he's probably gonna be one of the fourth or fifth guys so um, no, that's go, all right I framed the question it's I'll, on me I'll go last one and the last one I already mentioned his name would be Rashad White the running back from Arizona State just uh, just I think his traits size speed and just uh, I like a lot about him his balance is pretty like pretty damn good which is like stunned me especially catching the ball and yeah that's also why i like him too because he's a good receiver as well all right dane this is for you this is way to kind of sit in all the work that you've done who is your favorite guy that you watched in this process just that the tape put a smile on your face it was enjoyable all right it's a true story uh every sunday morning in the fall uh i wake up uh, you know, we, the family would go to church and then I come home and I check my system to see which college football tapes have been uploaded from the day before the first school that I would check every single Sunday last fall was NC state. Cause I wanted to see what Icky was doing to the poor souls he was going up against <laughs> the day before, uh, the explosiveness, the violence that he plays with, yeah. uh, I, I, it was so much fun watching the, the ascension with him in, in pass protection because Watching him over the summer, loved him, but he was clearly a better run blocker than pass protector. But to see his pass protection get better with every single game this year was awesome. So loved watching Icky every week. And then uh, two SEC guys uh, that also fit that category for me. Um, uh, Jameson Williams on offense. Uh, I mean, just so and even just, just watching Alabama on Saturdays. Uh, his speed is so, so special that you knew at any given play, something big was about to happen. Something explosive. 
Uh, a few players can make SEC secondaries look slow, but Williams can do that. And, and then on defense, Trevon Walker, uh, that's been my guy since the fall. Uh, this guy's the ultimate freak. Uh, and while it was fun watching his tape, it'd also be frustrating too, because of the way he was used, uh, you, every, I want ten, more. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, every 10 plays, it's like, okay, I know something's coming, but I got to wait and through the, just, you know, the, what they're asking him to do. So, uh, but some of the things that he was doing on tape was, alien-like so i mean this guy is uh, so so toolsy the traits are off the charts um so it was a lot of fun watching georgia for for a lot of reasons but mostly trevon walker for me nate how about you oh chris olave just i i love his game uh him and jahan dotson were joys for me shout out to the big 10 producing some receivers so that that was fun <laughs> um other ones i, I was uh derek stingley was also one of my favorite watches i watched him at the beginning of the year and then have circled back to watching the dbs again and it's like, God, I, I just like the player a lot. And then just like last two, I, I like Sha- Sha- uh, Khalil Shakir a lot. Tyler Algier, I, I love watching him from BYU. Just a fun physical back. Those guys are always just going to be great to watch when they're carrying three guys or running over dudes and seeking out contact. And then the last one, the quarterback shout out, be Bailey Zappi. Because mm-hmm. I I loved it because it, it, it showed me what I could have done with my arm. Like if I were, you know, I committed and got to the right system and stuff because, you know, he's got a popcorn arm, but you know, he knows exactly what he is and he knows exactly what he has to get done. And when you're just watching quarterbacks, sometimes, especially college quarterbacks, it's really refreshing to go, look at this dude, everything's on time. And that was just a guy I just loved watching. Cause it was fun watching him because he knew what he was too. He, he's going to be in the league for 10 years. He is the backup. He is. Yeah. He's going to be Case Keenum, you know, yep. that, that type of guy. And the intelligence is, is a big part of that. Yep. All right. We're three days away, Dan. Who is the guy you still can't figure out? All right. So for me, it's, it's still Jordan Davis. Um, like this is a player that when a player takes a jump from one year to the next, okay. Especially your junior year to your senior year. You, you try to figure out why and yeah. you know what led to that increased production, the, the increased impact. Sometimes it's as easy as just saying a player matured and, you know, things slowed down for him. I think that's kind of what we saw with Kenny Pickett. Things just kind of clicked a little bit more his final year. But with Davis, uh, part of the reasoning for his improved play is he didn't play as many snaps. I mean, the average snap count went from 33 uh, as a junior to 25 as a senior. And, and that allowed him to conserve energy, keep his legs alive, stay fresh. I mean, we're talking about a 350-plus uh, pound guy, so that's important. But what happens when in the NFL when you're going to ask Davis to play 40-plus snaps per game? I, I think, to me, uh, I, I do question, can he sustain that level of energy, that high level of play, uh, on a more consistent basis? So my issues with Davis are uh, not about talent, not about traits. It, it just comes down to snap count and you know that the total impact. So, you know, figuring out where exactly I feel comfortable drafting this guy. Um, you know, like I, I think he, he ended up like 24 overall on my top 50 board. You know, just trying to figure out exactly where I felt comfortable taking a player where I do have some questions about how many snaps he's giving me and will he be able to sustain that uh, for all those snaps. 24 is a coward's ranking. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of, yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, I, yes, absolutely it is. Because I, I, what's, what's the question? Guys, you still can't figure out. So, yeah, absolutely. It's great. So, it's yeah. great. I love it. All right, exactly. Nate, where's your coward ranking? 
Well, who's, who's that is, this, for is, you? this is the Trayvon Burks podcast. So that Trayvon Burks, uh, yeah, but honestly, him and him and, and I already sitting there like twenty third on your on your big board. Trayvon I Burks, actually right think there. that's exactly where he is. I, I th- <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. Um, and then the other one, it actually, is Devin Lloyd a little bit. Uh, that was another guy. I just I, every time I watch him, I think of him different, and I've come around on being more positive on him. But that's another guy. It's just like ah, just every time I just can't can't fully figure it out. But uh, yeah, Trayvon Burks though is just. The, one of the weirdest prospects I've ever watched. Just period. Just like I, it just blow. He breaks my brain every time. Dan, you got a little ahead of me with this one, this next one here. And I think the, the answer you gave is probably the right one. Which team in your mind can finish off a contending roster in this draft with the right two, three picks. It's like, all right, they're there. They are right there. Well, I th- I'm going I'm to go with a little curveball here. Um, Cause you know, the example that, you know, we talked about with the bucks with Wirfs and Winfield, I'm going back to the Bucks, nice. uh, and look, I, I know they're already, you know, a contender. But you had a first round guard, uh, Zion Johnson, can you agree to fill that that void that left guard by, uh, left by Alamar uh, Marpet's retirement? And then in the second round, it, say Gronk doesn't come back, you you get the first tight end off the board, Trey McBride, who's NFL ready because that's a big part of this. It, you know, able to step in from day one, make an impact. Uh, if Gronk does return, then maybe you go to the defensive line, get a guy like Perry on Winfrey out of Oklahoma, someone that can help create that that disruption on the defensive line. So uh, yeah, I, I think could get the Bucks apply for this uh, again if they make the right picks here in the first two rounds. I love it, I love Nate. How about you? Oh, I'm boring. I went Chiefs and Packers. <laughs> kind of a kind of a that no one shit barely answer. counts. No shit answer. Uh, I love that Bucks answer. That that is great. that's a good one. That's yeah, a good one. And, it and is a curveball. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, and I I agree with that though. Yeah, they get a guard and like look at the offense again, and then all of a sudden like in the tight end, I had him go with Ruckert, but McBride as well, like same thing. Like that's they get another startable, and then it's like okay, what, where are their weaknesses at? Okay, maybe find a safety. Like you know, it's like they are sitting in a good spot. But yeah, I, I went I went Chiefs. Just like I, I mean, come on, like <laughs> I'm not I'm not that mo- most creative guy in the who, world. Who, but who are the Chiefs taking the, to finish off the the roster? Uh, I went with the guy, uh, our, our boy, and that's why I have to look at the pronunciation. Abikati, Abikati, Abikati. I had him at the end of the first. I still can't get it, man. I actually had them taking Traylon Burks with their second first rounder, but I, yeah, that was kind of a like, okay, that's one place maybe. Again, it's a coward's fit. That's what that is. Yeah, exactly. So I had him like, but I think they could take some chances too on some of these guys. And then I actually think I did have Petrie going there in the second round Mm. um, to them as well. So like that, I could see them getting a couple. They just need it. Those two teams, Packers and Chiefs, they just need to hit on two of these guys. You know, just two, two of the six or seven picks that they might end up with. Just two guys have to be contributors early and they can take a leap. Like that's, that's a fun proposition. I mean, mine's the chargers. They, they hit some juice with a receiver in the first round or they get a tackle and like, maybe they find some speed a little bit later in the draft, even without that second round pick. That's the one I, I kept coming back to for that. All right. Last one, Dane, what are your two bold predictions about this draft? 72 hours away. Uh, so I think at least seven receivers go first round, uh, which has only happened once, uh, 2004. That was the Larry Fitzgerald, Roy Williams, uh, yeah. that, that group. Um, but you know, cause I think what five is a lock. Maybe I feel comfortable saying that. And then just, we just have to get two more in there. It, it, eight's not crazy, uh, yeah. which would be a record. So wide receivers are going to fly off the board. And also, you know, talking about the wide receiver contracts, teams looking to get younger, cheaper at the position. Um, I, I think that's a, that plays into this as well. Uh, and then uh, Tyler Linderbaum falling out of the first round. That, I don't know how bold that is or not. Um, at this point, it feels like it's been a 
you know, roller coaster with Tyler Linderbaum, but he's just being a center only, uh, being scheme specific, uh, the lack of length. I, I think that that is going to drop him. And a team in the second rounds could get a darn good player. Uh, the Jets have two picks in the 30s there in that early second round. I, I think that's a possible landing spot for oh, him. Oh, man. I mean, that that's that's a possibility. Um, but Linderbaum falling out of the first round, I think uh, there's a good chance that happens. It's a perfect fit, too, right? Yeah. Schematically and the things that they do. And I mean, there was a time where he was getting mocks of them in the top 10. If they if they yeah. ended up getting him in the 30s, it would be fantastic. All right, Nate. Your bold prediction about this draft. Yeah, and I, I went with this, and this is a, it's almost like a uh, the flip side of Linderbaum does go in the first. I, I had eight offensive linemen go in the first round, which isn't too crazy, but it's there's been more than that, but eight offensive linemen because I think Smith gets bumped up into there. Um, other bold predictions. I say Jameson Williams is the first receiver taken. I like uh, it. And also the Packers don't take a receiver in the first round. Of course, because that'd be too fun. Yeah. yeah, too fun, and I don't think they do it. I, I don't know. There's the size thresholds they have, it's weird. I don't know. If they I don't see them unless it's like a lobby or something. I don't know. It's weird for me. It's like I it's they they're they're the Packers. They they stick to their guns, they do their own way, they you know, they're marching to their own beat. So I, I think I don't know. I don't know if they break it just for this year, but who knows? It's a crazy uh, year. Olave makes so much sense. That was the so first team that came sense. to mind, but they don't draft guys that are sub 190 pounds. You know, yeah. they don't, it's just not their MO, but I, I, yeah, I agree. Olave, I mean, plug him into that chemistry immediately in training camp. How smart Rogers. he is. Yep. Oh yeah. It'd be perfect fit. I know. I know. I hope. And then my last one, I just want to throw this in here is Charles Cross goes in the top five. Hmm. If Chris Olave goes to the Packers, I don't know if I'll ever watch football again. <laughs> oh man. It's going to be so annoying. Oh yeah, <laughs> just all he does is get. Away. I, I seriously don't know what I would do. I, I would be so so sad, and now it's going to be inevitable. All right, <laughs> gentlemen, this was fun as hell. If it's you awesome. guys enjoyed this, we're doing it again yeah. three days from now, <laughs> live from Las Vegas during round one. The three of us will be coming to you the entire time during the draft. Every single pick from the first thirty-two will have our reactions. Deontay Lee is going to be joining us, Lindsey Jones, a couple of our athletic writers. Please come check that out on YouTube, wherever you watch the athletic football show. It will be available to you. Really, really excited about what that's going to look like. Very glad that we're getting a chance to do it. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe to The Athletic. It's where you can read Dane's seven-round mock, all of the crazy draft covers that he has done. It's the only place you can get the Beast. It is worth, that's worth your subscription right there, is to get the Beast here and, and just plow through it in three days before the draft. You can also bad, get Bad Nate's Company was the band I was thinking of, by the way. And I was thinking of, like, you know, <laughs> Bad Company, the name of the song, the name of the band, and the name of the album. That's Dane Brewer for me. He's the Beast. Sorry to cut you off, Robert. <laughs> and you can also get Nate's mock draft on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show. Please go check that out. We'll be back all week. Really excited about everything we have coming your way. It's draft week. Here we go. Talk to you guys later. This was The Athletic Football Show.